0: I've been listening to Drive by Alan Jackson for years. And I listened to it once yesterday. Welcome to Spin It. Welcome! here we're back it's another friday or whatever day you chose to listen to this happy leap year happy leap year wait what just depending (laughs) on what day you chose to oh just to make sure all the days are covered right just
1: to cover all our bases yeah
0: yeah Hello, I'm talking. That's not normally how this goes. That's because this isn't a normal episode. It's a Connor takeover.
1: Yes, and that's Connor. He's taken over. My punch card was filled up and I turned it in for another episode. That's right. And I'm James. Oh, yeah, you're here. I usually do the thing Connor's doing, but this time he's driving. Hey, James, say hi to the people. Hello, people. <laughs> yeah, I'm driving this week. That's for sure. Yeah, I'm excited for this takeover. This is sometimes when you take over... You bring what what I consider a totally new album to the podcast, something I never would have brought. Yeah. Like Miley Cyrus, perhaps, or Dr. Demento.
0: And i like to do that, but this is the year of healing.
1: Right. Sometimes you bring things that I would have picked myself or would have got to eventually, like probably Barry Manilow, I would consider in that group, or... This one, Alan Jackson. Yeah. I've even scored an Alan Jackson album before. Yeah,
0: we'll, we'll definitely get to that. Mm-hmm. But I was looking at what I'd brought before, and I'm trying to jump around and kind of give you a peek behind the curtain of my tastes for all the different genres. So while there's a lot of other stuff I probably would have picked before Alan Jackson, if we were just going down the list of like my favorite albums and artists, mm-hmm. I don't want to do like all the same genre Or whatever at once, right? I want to jump around, so. Yeah. Plus, like I said, it's the year of healing. I'm trying to get into that top 100. And so, you know, I thought maybe if I brought somebody you'd already scored and therefore probably already liked, maybe I'd have a little bit of a bonus.
1: Yeah, it's
0: certainly a great strategy. And speaking of bonuses, I took some notes from my previous attempts. Typically, I bring artists that don't get their bonus point because they don't write songs. Oh. This one will. Look at you go.
1: That's exciting. In fact, there's only three
0: of these, like, 12 songs that he didn't write.
1: Yeah, I did notice that and took notes about it all. As I was listening, I was like, I wonder how I feel about these songs that he didn't write in relation to all the songs that he did write. Like, what am I, what am I noticing?
0: Gotcha. That'll be interesting when we get to it. Mm -hmm. I don't know any other beginning of the episode banter we want to get into before we dive into the crazy life of alan jackson i don't know it's not that crazy but
1: i don't know it might be crazier than you think but you can't know that yet oh how do you know that i've talked to the mixtaper this week oh and he's he's learned a lot about alan jackson since you've decided to make him your pick but that's upcoming
0: yeah so again kind of said it at the beginning like we do every week but we're doing drive by alan jackson it's a tough one for me to pick i had a hard time picking an alan jackson album yeah there's just so much really good Music. I had a short list of albums, and we'll talk about them as we hit them
1: in his career. I thought it was interesting. It sounded like you had trouble because all the favorite Alan Jackson songs you had were spread out so far across so many different albums kind of like the Elton John effect
0: a lot like the Elton John one I mean he's had a long career a lot of good music a lot of number one hits a lot of them spread out and he does decently I mean 12 a decent number of songs for an album and most of his albums are
1: around that length and he writes them it's not a situation like George Strait where he just has people hand him songs I mean, he gets in there and, and he pumps them out yeah like he, he pumps them out himself with the <laughs> help of his co-writer Jack That's one thing he jokes about a lot, is that he drinks Jack Daniels when he writes his music sometimes. Ah. Yeah, I found that, and I thought that was kind of fun. So let's jump into it.
0: Who was Alan Jackson before he was Alan Jackson? Oh, ooh. I was going to
1: say he's a musician. It's
0: true. Alan Jackson, country singer-songwriter, in case that wasn't clear.
1: We are in the country world. I don't think we'd said that yet, if you didn't know who Alan Jackson was. If you didn't know who Alan Jackson was, the name Alan Jackson should be the first clue. But second of all, the cowboy hat. And the mullet should be the second clue. Yeah and then third of all listening to any of his music for about 0.3 seconds (laughs) that's the biggest clue that should finally tip you off yeah his
0: music is actually most commonly described as neo-traditional country which i think is fun
1: it is and i kind of loop him into i mean that same kind of category with george Strait. yeah of like neo-traditional guys in this era
0: like they somehow thread that line they're able to put out stuff that fits with today's style of music but also doesn't sound out of place next to an older country star
1: it echoes a lot lot of that older stuff
0: when we get into this i mean alan jackson himself is an older country star i mean he got started back in the late 80s so you know like that's 40 years ago (laughs) but anyway he was born to joseph eugene daddy gene jackson and ruth music mama ruth jackson i like them i like that his mom's middle name is music it's like music it's like it was destiny
1: yeah not just middle name maiden name her last name was oh ms music ms music wow cool little tidbit daddy gene and mama ruth had baby jack had baby jack baby al baby little Al. little Al <laughs>
0: Growing up, Jackson listened primarily to gospel music until a friend introduced him to Gene Watson, John Anderson, and Hank Williams Jr.
1: Not the old Hank Williams.
0: Lil Al's listening to Lil Hank. And I think that gospel music upbringing actually kind of can be found in that neo traditional sound he has. Like, you can tell where that is influencing his style of music. 100%. He straight up released a
1: gospel album yeah
0: yeah when he was 27 not so little anymore medium owl <laughs> when he was 27 jackson and his wife of six years at this point in time denise yeah he got married when he was 21 he did classic 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 little owl move they moved from noonan to nashville tennessee Where he hoped to pursue music full time, so he kind of got into the game late. I mean, we have people getting into it when they're like seven years old.
1: I know, twenty-seven. Yeah, I thought so too. I was struck by how late in his life he started music because yeah, he just seems to have been in country music. Well, obviously for my whole lifetime, but just he seems like such a mainstay in the genre. It kind of felt like he had been doing it longer.
0: Yeah, just goes to show it's never too late to start a new career. No, but in
1: 1987 he cut a. pre-
0: debut demo album that he titled new traditional at doc's place in hendersonville tennessee is a pre-debut really like i
1: feel like that's just a debut
0: yeah i i don't know i i guess i it's kind of like our episode zero of the podcast right that was our pre-debut
1: yeah like a test just to get a feel for it see if it was gonna work and i sure sure
0: yeah exactly it's extremely rare and was apparently only released in japan that's a wild fact (laughs) yeah it's like of all the places to try get your country music start japan okay
1: yeah that is curious i wonder what the business logic behind that was (laughs) i don't know surely
0: there's some reason probably that was the cheapest he could get it released maybe i don't know
1: no wonder it's extremely rare (laughs) yeah
0: He got his first actual job in the music business working in the Nashville Network's mailroom. But that's not really where he got his big break. His big break came from his wife. Mm -hmm. His wife was a flight attendant who,
1: while flight attendanting, met Glenn Campbell. Flight (laughs) attendanting. You like that? Yeah. Oh, I feel like attending to a flight (laughs) is like the technical way to break that apart. But fine. (laughs) Flight attendanting. Met Glenn Campbell, the rhinestone cowboy. Yeah.
0: Naturally. She's like all professional out the window hey glenn campbell my husband wants to be a country music star how how do
1: i I imagine it's like her walking up the aisle with like the drink cart handing out peanuts peanuts alan jackson demo like (laughs) you know just casually slipping it over to him there
0: only if it's a flight to japan
1: (laughs) glenn campbell's flying home from japan suddenly but she asks him for some advice and he
0: ends up giving her his business card and says have him call me and he did
1: and that jump started his career, like a rhinestone cowboy, <laughs> flying out. This led to a him. In a couple years later, in
0: 1989, rodeo. finally, you're just gonna keep going, huh?
1: <laughs> no, I'm done.
0: Oh, okay. Uh, this led to in 1989. He eventually signed with Arista Records, and later that same year, became the first artist signed to the newly formed Arista Nashville branch. Of Arista Records. Rock on.
1: Kicking it off with a bang.
0: 1989, big year. Same year, he puts out his debut track, Blue-Blooded Woman. And it wasn't really that successful. Didn't even crack the top 40.
1: No, it's an interesting choice for a debut. I mean, to look at his debut album. To look at Here in the Real World, the other album which I have listened to thoroughly and scored. Yes. Blue-Blooded Woman ain't it. There's so many other (laughs) tracks I would put before it. Yeah, yeah, but that was the first one he came out with. But
0: then... The following year in 1990, he releases his second track here in the real world, which shot all the way up to number three on the country charts. So he's like, that is my title track for my debut album, which produced two more top five hits and his first ever number one. I'd love you all over again first album first number one
1: bang yeah straight to the top
0: but yeah this is the one you scored yes and so this album was on my short list to bring it's typically considered one of the best
1: alan jackson albums as it should be it's got chasing that neon rainbow dog river blues ace of hearts yeah so many fun tracks
0: i couldn't bring it because you'd already scored it Mm. didn't want to do that i am curious though what did it score
1: Great question. I took notes because I had obviously can't help but compare that album to this album. Here in the real world, scored an 84.3, landed on my ranking list at number 331.
0: Oh, wow. So I need Drive to do better in your books than by quite a bit.
1: Yeah, that would be your goal. Not great. I honestly don't think it's
0: my favorite, so I'm not too worried. I think you could make an argument for like it was like his best album critically. Sure.
1: Well, there are reasons for that.
0: But I don't think it's my favorite. Although a lot of people would say his second album would be his best critical success. That's true. Which was released in 1991, Don't Rock the Jukebox.
1: Great title. Great name.
0: Because it had four number one singles on it alone.
1: <laughs> and Don't Rock the Jukebox. I mean, what a song.
0: It was also on my short list to bring but like i was listening to all these albums and trying to pick which one and i kind of looked up what people felt about different ones and a lot of people said that despite its popularity at its time when compared to some of his later albums it would not top the list anymore which i thought was interesting and again gives me a little hope for drive Mm -hmm. i think a lot of people in maybe like our parents generation would hear that comment and be like that's That's blasphemous. No way, right? But that's because (laughs) that's the ones they grew up with, right? Or that they heard first. Nostalgia. They have that nostalgia and that cultural impact that actually happened to them.
1: Mm -hmm. I also found out
0: that same year, 1991, while cranking out four number one singles himself, he also wrote several songs for Randy Travis's 1991 album, High Lonesome, which I thought was wild. It is. Like, this man just does so much in one year. He's a busy bee. (laughs) Busy bee indeed. So then his third album... A lot about living and a little about love. Love. It
1: came up with five more top five hits. Chattahoochee, one of the like prime country songs of the 90s.
0: His most popular song, Chattahoochee, was on that album. And in fact, that's where the title comes from. The title comes from that track. Mm -hmm. And again, was on my short list to bring. But I don't know. I felt like it would be one of those things where Chattahoochee, this happened with Journey, right? Where I didn't pick the album with Don't Stop Believing. Rightfully so. Because I felt like that was all we'd end up talking about.
1: I think that was a good choice. I actually really liked Frontiers.
0: I felt the same way about Chattahoochee. I was like, the other songs are good, but on the same album and being scored alongside Chattahoochee, it just like accidentally brings down the rest of the album.
1: It just dwarfs everything. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I
0: avoided that one. You
1: did. And one thing I will say for sure is I don't think Drive has any songs like that well it's got one it's close with where were you when the world stops turning but i don't think that overshadows for the same reasons and in the same way no so it's it's very different no
0: i think i think the cultural impact of where were you yes. dwarfs the impact of any
1: other song on the album but the song itself doesn't Does it? dwarf anything yeah that's that's profound and correct i think i put time into my picks i'm not saying you don't what <laughs> you
0: just the, the way you said that made it sound like you weren't expecting
1: me to be so profound no i'm just saying that was a very good observation a very solid analysis
0: but Hoochie in 1994 actually won him the cma single and song of the year that song was hotter
1: than a hoochie coochie
0: <laughs> he also i found out in 1996 appeared in an episode of home improvement which i've seen a lot of home improvement <laughs> i don't remember that i don't know if i haven't seen that one or just didn't realize it but yeah he's in the episode when harry kept dolores he performs mercury blues
1: what he performs in home improvement yeah that's unreal yeah feels like you probably just haven't seen it you remember surely
0: he at some point in there also released his fourth album who am i You're connor oh
1: sorry just trying to help you out there but
0: in 1995 keep in mind his first album came out in 1990 yeah that is strange in 1995 he releases his first greatest hits collection that contains 17 hits bold (laughs) bold five years Including a song Home from his Here in the Real World album that had not ever been released as a single before. Except in Japan, maybe. Well, maybe. (laughs) And that did really well. In fact, that Greatest Hits collection itself is in like most people's top five Alan Jackson albums of all time.
1: (laughs) Well, that's cheating though. It's greatest hits.
0: Yeah, but it's just like think about all the albums that come after that in this one hits the top five. From the classics? It doesn't have any of the other hits from any of albums five and up. You're right.
1: That's true. (laughs) Like, it's still pretty insane. Yeah, but it's got an extended (laughs) mix of Chattahoochee. Oh, that's true. That's probably just doing it right there. Uh Uh-huh.
0: That alone. He actually spoke out against the pop sound trend that later country music was trending to into the 2000s him and George Strait murder on music row undercut me like that it's fun
1: sorry well I learned about murder on music row back in my famous country music class we talked about it and how there was this neo-traditionalist almost revival yeah where they were like countries going pop don't rock the jukebox right exactly that they committed murder on music row and killed the heart of the genre which I have thoughts about but certainly from his perspective that's what's going down yeah it's a little fun funny to sing that when you're getting like tons of number ones though yeah i just you know but the song was never
0: actually released as a single
1: conspiracy but it became the highest
0: okay this is this is there are about to be a lot of adjectives here buckle up okay buckled highest charting non-seasonal album cut to appear on the hot country singles and tracks in the broadcast data systems era <laughs> <What>?
1: wow <laughs> really the only one like, whoa it was the highest charting it beat out garth brooks's blue woods what a stupid metric like that doesn't mean anything to so many people
0: i know but hey beat it out hey
1: it was the, the highest it
0: was so popular that the duo were invited to open the 2000 academy of country music awards with the tune and rolling stone commented on jackson's style saying garth and shania have raised the bar for country concerts with kiss style production and endless costume changes yeah then alan jackson is doing his best to return the bar to a more human level yikes (laughs) basically saying forget all of that that garth and shania are doing this guy he's keeping it real keeping it country
1: (laughs) garth is such an entertainer though yeah that's true
0: then you know after the September 11th terrorist attack Jackson released where were you which is featured on this album mm-hmm. that we were talking about today which again just hit the hearts of so many people across America we've talked about other post 9-11 tribute songs
1: yeah Ray Stevens let's roll it's very different
0: I don't know if there is one we could talk about that has as big of a hit and impact at the time of this all happening as where were you
1: there's not even still i'd say since it's just the one
0: i have a history with this song and it's actually part of what led me to selecting this album from my shortlist
1: oh we've talked about this
0: we have i brought this song in high school when we had to do a lyrics analysis unit in like our english class Mm -hmm. and this teacher was known for, like, not liking to give out 100%, so let alone bonus points above 100%. It's true. Shout out if you're listening. Shout out. (laughs) I got a 100% plus five bonus points because I made them cry while they were listening to the song. The song made them cry. Wow. Like, most people pick, like, jokey songs or really not that deep a song. It's true. Because we're high schoolers in English. Who cares?
1: Picks that I remember include Bohemian Rhapsody Yep, yep. (laughs) And and a few others. Just very interesting choices to analyze the lyrics on.
0: Yeah, but we were all a bunch of dumb high schoolers. So, I mean, what did they expect? (laughs) But they were like, you took it seriously and it made me cry. And I remember where I was. And here's five bonus points. And I was like, dang. (laughs) but yeah the song was on the 22 album
1: drive 22 album or 2002 album 22 (laughs) oh oh, okay Uh, there's just a couple o's in there there's just zeros they don't just cancel out (laughs) yeah uh
0: no it's on the 2002 album drive Woo! which is the one we're selecting it's the one that made it off the short list really i'm looking back at my short list going it's not that short (laughs) well really it's
1: the only one left on the short list it didn't make it off at all it's it's just the last one standing
0: <laughs> yeah well yeah that's true that was his i think sixth album i've lost track at this point i think there was a christmas album in between this one and the fourth the last one we talked about he's done he's done a lot of christmas albums. he does a lot of christmas stuff
1: it looks like he did two christmas albums in 1993 alone there
0: you go and then he did another one later in 2002 after drive came out called let it be christmas which actually is another one of my favorite al- i really like like in terms of christmas albums i like a lot of the Christmas songs that he does on oh, Let It Be Christmas,
1: you could have brought that too. It is December. I know it was on the short list. <laughs> <laughs> What's interesting to me, just a little side note, he looks so much older on the cover of Let It Be Christmas than he does on Drive. Yeah, even though it's from the same year.
0: And then in 2006, he released his first gospel album, Precious Memories. That one was not on the short list. No, he's just released album after album, hit after hit after hit, all the way up until 21. 21,
1: yes. 2021 before 22 but after 22 (laughs) that was a big album
0: yeah 2021 the album where have you gone just released here two years ago
1: it's an hour almost an hour and a half long it's got 21 songs on it
0: one thing i don't think we've talked about with any of our country artists i don't know if any of our country artists we've done have been selected i think i'm sure willie nelson was right had to have been i don't know what you're talking about yet but maybe in 2016 Jackson was selected as one of 30 artists to perform on Forever Country, which was that mashup track of Take Me Home Country Roads, On the Road Again, and I Will Always Love You, which
1: celebrated 50 years of the CMA Awards. Yeah, we talked about how Brooks and Dunn kind of came out of pseudo-retirement to do that, too. I mean, he's won a ton of Grammys
0: for Song of the Year, been nominated for it a bunch. One of the other selling points... for this album was that he actually won album of the year for drive and video of the year for the video to drive. That's pretty cool. You know, it has some medals in its corner.
1: Yeah, it does. Here's a fun one about Alan Jackson. Okay. Just last year in 2022, he earned the Lifetime Achievement Award from the Country Music Association. They actually named it after him because he was like the first recipient.
0: Oh, Mm -hmm. I know he was inducted into the Country Music Hall of Fame in 2017. I can't
1: believe it took all the way to 2017. Well, there are a lot of rules about when people get eligible and Mm. stuff you know there's all kinds of criteria remember how we talked about george Strait? not long ago was one of very few artists to be inducted while still actively releasing music Mm. so it doesn't happen often where someone's still like full-fledged in their career but here you go
0: fair enough in 2004 a five mile stretch of interstate 85 through Jackson's hometown in Noonan, was renamed the Allen Jackson Highway.
1: Nice. That's where you can go drive.
0: Yeah, you can go drive. Drive itself, I guess we'll talk about the album just real fast. We kind of hit on it already. But it, like I said, released in 2002. Two. It had the number one hit, Where Were You, Drive, Work in Progress, and That Be All Right, which peaked at number one, three, and two, respectively. So we had two number ones, a number two, and a number three in there, which is... Seven total, if you add all those up. Okay. That doesn't mean anything. <laughs> it doesn't, but, you know, just want to show I can do some math, flex my math skills in front of the squirrels. That was good. Yeah. Designated Drinker, which was a duet with George Strait. Loves to do duets with George Strait.
1: Yeah, I had a lot of thoughts about that song.
0: We'll get there. Yep. It reached number 44, even though it was never officially released as a single. So that's kind of cool. And then all four of the release singles cracked the top 40 on the actual Billboard Hot 100 as well and peaked at 28, 28, 35, and 29 respectively
1: it's pretty good that's way more top 40 hits than i have
0: which is 120 together
1: oh you were doing math i was like why is just such a long pause i <laughs> guess i should fill this silence i was
0: struggling and i'm still not sure i did it right
1: well we won't we won't <laughs> check it good a for effort there yeah
0: And then in 2009, it was ranked album number three on the country's best albums of the decades list. Ooh, that's interesting.
1: Yeah. I wonder what beat it and I wonder what it beat. I'll have to look it up. Alrighty. Well, I guess that's all I got. I never know how to end this segment. You do it so naturally. I mean, I suppose. I, that's maybe a consequence of doing it 120 times but cool i'm so excited for you to drive play.
0: debuted at number one on the u.s billboard 200
1: <laughs> okay there that's a way to which was
0: this. his first number one debut that's cool and it sold 211,000 copies that's a lot when it first came out i think the album was certified four times platinum in may of 2003 well boom that's pretty good now it's i guess it's time to see what else the mixtaper found apparently alan jackson has had a wild
1: time a wild time indeed this is rare that you get to play against the mixtaper so i'm gonna sit back and i'll root for you from the sidelines seems like though i mean i got nothing to worry about you're pretty good at this
0: yeah yeah i've got you i mean you've really been messing up recently i've had some slips the mixtaper
1: could theoretically take the lead yeah to look at the scores for the season it's close right now we, you and I, the hosts, have 102 points. The mixtaper has 100 points. So if he gets a, a shutout this week, then he's taking the lead. And you know he'll probably end the season if that happens. I know he will. Yeah, he probably will. <laughs> but I'll leave you to it. Yeah, it's
0: a good thing he's never beaten me, let alone shut me out. So <laughs> thank goodness. I ought to be able to send things in the right direction.
1: Well, I'm rooting for you. Have at it. Have it at I shall. Get him in here. hey. It's me, the mixtaper, back again to play against Connor.
0: That didn't sound gravelly enough, mixtaper. You feeling all right?
1: Yeah, I'm feeling all right. It's just... uh, You want to
0: take it again? You want another take?
1: No. The problem is I just struggle to feel excited about playing Factor Spin against you. Oh,
0: oh, yeah. The rasp comes with excitement. Yeah,
1: like I'm dejected. Every time I play against you, I just struggle. No matter how well I think I'm going to do, no matter how much I prepare, something just goes so wrong.
0: Maybe you should just stop preparing.
1: Well, maybe. Last time I played against you proper was Journey Episode 110, and... They were all true, all facts that I gave you. You missed the first one about... That was your problem. You you keep
0: swinging wildly, right? You went from like, oh, I'm so excited to play against Connor. I've got to <laughs> lie to him 24-7 to, oh, he's on to that. I'm going to tell him nothing but the truth. Hopefully, you found a
1: nice middle ground. I have more facts to give you this week. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, we'll see if you believe them or not, but I've got things. Okay,
0: well hit me with that first thing.
1: Okay, pick a number, one through four. We'll do the proper game for you. Oh, you're making me do this. Yeah. You know what? One. (laughs) Okay. Alan Jackson had an unusual pet
0: an unusual pet we'd love a good unusual pet fact around here on Spinnet. yeah we do sure do let's see what other unusual pets have we had well we had goldfish that had bad christmases we've had michael jackson's zoo miley cyrus's fake emu oh and that one was against me and it was a lie yeah it's true
1: well what was this unusual pet can i make you guess sure oh i'll make you guess by telling you facts about the animal
0: oh okay Do I get a bonus point if I get the pet?
1: No, I'll just keep giving you Uh, clues until you guess it. Oh, okay. They're omnivorous. Zebra. I don't think zebras are omnivorous, so I'm going to call that a bad first guess. They can be. (laughs) Um,
0: Anything's omnivorous if it's hungry enough.
1: Yeah. They have a 22-year lifespan in the wild feels like zebra (laughs) do you you really think alan jackson had a pet zebra okay no
0: no 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 no. um let's see country star weird pet like a coyote did he have a pet coyote
1: oh he did not have a pet coyote it was a zebra oh oh. no i'm just kidding (laughs) uh they can grow up to 26 inches and weigh about 13 pounds worm that's a heavy heavy (laughs) worm they also don't have thumbs okay so that rules out like most like apes it's true they live in troops of 20 to 100 individuals except when they live with alan jackson i guess he really only had one troops well that makes me think it is a monkey Mm. (laughs) aren't most monkeys troops isn't that like a thing that is a thing they're native to the northern part of south america is it a monkey it's a monkey to be specific it's a spider monkey Alan Jackson had a pet spider monkey
0: interesting mm-hmm. did he though
1: when did he have this definitely in his youth like before he was famous in his youth like as a child like before he was famous I'm not sure precisely when
0: oh so like in that that like medium owl lil owl medium owl yeah
1: yeah Lil Allen is monkey
0: <laughs> do we know how he came to acquire the a spider monkey not at all do we know? When he got rid of the spider monkey.
1: No, but I'm going to guess 22 years or less. Fair enough. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know if he got rid of it or if it passed away. I I don't know that either.
0: Do we know the monkey's name? Peanut. Oh.
1: Lil Alan Peanut.
0: I like it. Yeah, me too. Here's the thing. I feel like I remember hearing something about this. Okay. (laughs) But... That it was a squirrel monkey, not a spider monkey. Oh. I think you might have changed monkey types on me.
1: <laughs> you think I changed monkeys?
0: Well, I know you're desperate for a win, so you might be getting dastardly on me.
1: It's not a monkey swap. I'm going to say this is a spin. Okay. Can you lock it in?
0: Choo <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. That, as we all know, is the universal sound for a locked-in answer. It's a heavy lock. Mm-hmm. This is... A fact. This is true. Whoa. He had a pet spider monkey. I did find one source that said it was a squirrel monkey, actually. However, his official Twitter account tweeted that it was a spider monkey in 2014. Oh, uh, okay. Well, you know what? I'm staying corrected. Well, I'm not standing. I say corrected. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> Other interesting facts about spider monkeys. Since this fact had so few details, I thought I would look up a bunch of spider monkey facts. I like that. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah, mostly I've communicated them to you. Learned a lot about spider monkeys. Yeah, they're called spider monkeys because they look like spiders when they hang upside down. Naturally. Which seems like a stretch, but okay. And... All seven species of spider monkey are under threat of extinction due to hunting and deforestation. <gasps> oh no! I know their populations estimated to see an eighty percent reduction in the next five decades. But on a happier note, they also hug each other. Oh, there. So you know uh, that's bad news sandwich right there.
0: <laughs> I need a spider monkey hug.
1: Don't we all? All right, pick another number for me. Uh, two. Picking number two. Alan Jackson almost had a very different career almost had a different career i could believe that
0: considering he didn't get into this career until he was 27
1: well that's true this isn't like a ray stevens thing where i'm just talking about a different alan jackson i swear
0: yeah i say are we doing another classic careers
1: bit here boy have i ever learned my lesson (laughs) all right what was this other not classic just different career I guess it's kind of called a classic. But he entered a bit of a bodybuilding competition. Oh, really? Yeah, not not actual. Was he like the world's strongest man or the world's hottest man? Not the world's. I think it was more like a local, like noon and Georgia's hottest man kind of thing.
0: Oh. Yeah,
1: very different stakes than the world's hottest man. <laughs> I'd
0: kill to be somewhere's hottest man. I don't care how small, how insignificant. Make me some Antarctic small scientific penguin village
1: this world's hottest man i don't care well somebody has to do it it's a tough title so it's, <laughs> it's a, tough a rough title. life but somebody has to own it says the hottest <laughs> scientist in antarctica i bet you're the hottest man in your apartment maybe no nah. you're right it's me i'm spinning It's a lie. <laughs>
0: All right, all right. So you said almost entered a bodybuilding career. Well, he
1: did enter the competition. I said he almost had a different career just because Oh, okay. what if he had been a bodybuilder? Imagine that. Did he
0: do well? Like, why didn't he pursue this?
1: No, he didn't. There's not a lot of money in Noonan's Hottest Man careers? No, there's not. And he, he also did not place. That's
0: interesting because I've heard that the Antarctic penguin research scientist hottest band market is
1: like saturated yeah it's a really rich man's market mm-hmm. no he didn't even place he just went and had fun that's why he didn't pursue it he, oh he got no traction whatsoever fair enough so
0: he was not the hottest man he's not good no he was viewed as quite ugly i guess ugly little owl ugly little owl and his pet peanuts <laughs> <laughs> it's,
1: you're right ugly little owl and his pet monkey peanut okay is there anything else i need to know about this when did he do this uh sometime in his late teens he was like 19 okay 1977 ish that was a test
0: because I mentioned when he moved away from Noonan, so mm. wanted to see what you were going to say there.
1: Yeah, no, it was b- before his music career and before he had any dreams of that. Okay. I'm mean, being honest here with you. Please do. I'm having a hard time believing
0: this because of the classic careers thing. I'm not certain you <laughs> really? learned your lesson. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but like, I want to take you at your mixtape or word. That you've changed.
1: Well, to be... I mean, I did do also careers with Steve Perry in the bowl thing, and that was true. That's what I'm saying. Like, so, like, I did turn over a new leaf. Just, I don't know. Do you think... I think I could get away with lying to you all the time? I think that you
0: are dying to get away with that because of how poorly it went i think that you're not gonna let it go till you do get away with that
1: oh gosh i actually had that was not even a thought in my mind as i was preparing for this episode i let bygones be bygones i brush it off
0: that's not the mixtaper way
1: it's my way against you because where else would i be
0: all right you know what it's the holiday season. I'm gonna. I'm gonna believe you're not being a little dastard. This is a true fact. You calling this a true fact? Yep.
1: Alrighty. But this one
0: only gets a little clink.
1: Soft lock in. Soft lock. Uh, I'm scared. Okay. Well, I was telling you the absolute truth. I uh, was not thinking of Ray Stevens' classic careers at all in the midst of this.
0: But it is a spin.
1: Well, take a look at these pictures in the Discord. Oh. That are very AI-generated images of of Alan Jackson as a bodybuilder. This is a spin. That's
0: awesome. So untrue. The one on the right is amazing. I love that.
1: Isn't it good? (laughs) I know. You made these? I just told a little generator (laughs) to generate them. This has
0: opened the world for so many future fun social media posts.
1: Yeah, I know, and I don't love that I did it because I don't like the idea, (laughs) but I definitely couldn't resist Alan Jackson as a bodybuilder. This is absolutely a spin. I made it up. I wanted to see if I could make you believe that Alan Jackson got jacked, son. Oh, That's exactly, that was my entire thought process. And I did
0: it. Man, I can't believe I didn't see that. I was so focused on classic careers. I didn't think about the pun.
1: No, I think I was really lucky when we started getting into how ugly he, he could have been. So, <laughs> and, the, and the penguin thing really worked in my favor. You were so distracted. You didn't even stop to think. Jack. This is amazing. I just need to point out this is my high water mark. This is my 50-50 that is the best I've ever done against you. Oh,
0: well, then that means I got nothing to worry about for these last two.
1: I was a little off my game uh, for these first two. Think I'm going to choke? I could I could choke. It's true. The choke will happen. Yeah. Pick a number between... I don't know. Do I want to be
0: boring and go in order three? Or do I want to spice it up and go with number four? Oh,
1: I don't know. It's entirely up to you. Three. Number three. Alan Jackson knows a lot about living and a little about love. Oh, I hate this title. Oh, yeah. Especially coming off of the pun that we just had okay true all right what's he know well really what I'm trying to say is Alan Jackson has some interesting flirting techniques oh this is about how hopefully this is with his wife this is how he wooed Denise I see so yeah they got married back in like what I say 79 correct 1979 high school sweethearts Okay. How did he woo her? Couple ways? Couple ways. Oh, a couple of his flirting techniques. Okay. He's a real catch. Did he do a dance like birds do or whatever? Did he do a dance? No. Oh. But that'd be fun. Apparently they met at a Dairy Queen from what I could find. Classic. Classic
0: old people way of meeting
1: at the old yeah, at the sock hop at the Dairy Queen. One of the first things he did when he met his wife, future wife, is he flipped a coin down the front of her shirt and offered to help her get it back. Wow, okay, that is not... Where I pictured this goat, Wow, okay. No, I know, I know. He's got the moves.
0: That's a, it's a move of some sort. I mean, that's 2023 level of wooing right there. Is it though? I feel like when you think of like classic 1970 wooing, you think of like these very traditional, may I have her home by 8 p.m. May I take you to the Dairy Queen for a milkshake in a movie, you know? No.
1: I think of more of the trope type thing where, you know, she gets in her car to go drive away, but you're hiding in the back seat. And in the middle of the drive, you pop up and scare her and she screams and stuff. That's what I think of. I do not think of that at all when I think of 70. No, I think way more classical. Well, I'll tell you something. Uh-oh. He also did that. <laughs> Alan Jackson also was the guy in the back seat. I was like, did you
0: just describe a scene from Barbie? Wait a second. You just yes, described I... a scene from Barbie. Well, I did. Hang on, you little dastard. Well, no,
1: but it also happens in Barbie, but he did it. He jumped up and she screamed and had to pull over because, of course, she did. But I could just picture, you know, little Alan Jackson back there. Little a little flirty owl. <laughs> little ugly flirty owl. He might not be the hottest man in Noonan, but he's got the techniques.
0: <laughs> Is this it? Are these
1: the two things he did? These are the two things that he confirmed absolutely I am asserting that he's done. He has other skills and talents that may have been used in flirting, certainly could attract a potential mate. Okay. Go on. (laughs) I don't know if I want to say them because they might sway you one way or another. He really didn't flirt with them. Just let's do this like a little parenthetical addendum to the fact. Like, Like unconfirmed flirting techniques. Unconfirmed. I don't know if he flirted like this but he might have
0: rumored to have yeah
1: number one he can wiggle his ears that get me going i know he can do it he does brag about it so you're saying he can wiggle his ears yes definitely but you're not sure if he flirted by doing that right i mean who wouldn't right who wouldn't when i mean that's the closest way that would be like a bird doing a dance (laughs) (laughs) you know walks up and goes look at this wiggle these ears for you he can also play the saxophone
0: that one i know okay that is definitely a true fact again whether or not he used it to flirt doesn't really matter true
1: and he can whistle like an ambulance siren
0: i know that too for a fact actually really that's
1: that's something that he bragged about yes have you heard it because i couldn't find a clip i don't think i've heard it but i feel like i remember an an interview or something where he bragged about this fact yep yep anyway that's the end of the addendum he might have wiggled his ears played the saxophone or whistled like an ambulance but he definitely did throw a coin down her shirt and pop up in the back of her car like a jack in the box jackson in the box
0: oh Well, I hate that. That's another pun.
1: You're right. Well, that's what he should have called it. If he didn't, that's what it should have been. So did it work? Like, I mean, I guess it worked. They're married. No, she actually turned him down the first time he asked her out. But it did work eventually. Yes, because they are married. The long con. That's right. (laughs) I'm going to play the odds on this one. Okay. And say this is a spin. Why
0: do you say that? Because you gave me two flirting technique stories that Mm. are confirmed true, supposedly very easy for only one of those to be true that's a that's a classic technique of the mixtaper is to throw some spin on top of a pile of truth goo
1: truth goo <laughs> yeah that's you know me you know how i adorn my truth goo.
0: yeah i'm saying this is a this is a spin
1: all right what's the level of noise you're gonna make to lock in this one how how confident are we ka That sounded pretty small, like you're closing a lockbox. No, it was like between the two. It's like middle ground. Okay. Well, now that you've locked in spin, I can tell you that flipping a penny down the shirt is a hundred percent true yeah yeah it's yeah. a real thing and oh, you thought about the barbie movie thing very early and the thing where he hid in her car and popped up after she drove away and scared the crap out of her yeah is a hundred percent true and this is a fact no oh yeah no! oh yeah oh, shoot. oh i'm feeling good oh no Eat your truth goo and like it <laughs> Oh, amazing. This is this could not be going better. Oh, gosh. What a bad order I've picked for these. I've thrown myself off. Ooh, can I tell you another thing that I've done? Uh-oh. Okay. I just gave them to you in the order I was going to give them to you anyway. Oh, you dastard. I haven't even listened to what numbers you said.
0: You dastard. <laughs> but
1: didn't you say one, two, three anyway? I feel like you... Yeah. you... <laughs> I picked this order regardless, but... uh. So that really neutralized itself. <laughs> that wasn't really a good prank, but here we are. <laughs> It's like I knew you'd do that. It is. It is kind of like you knew. Oh, man. So that means for the season, we're either tied or you're le- winning. I mean, we'll see. This next one's going to be the determining factor. Yeah. Spin. Factor spin. Oh, okay. Hit me with number four. Get ready for this. Okay. Uh, you're kind of ready for this because I know that you're prepared. We've talked off air.
0: I'm worried because I there's something that hasn't come up that I was asked to prep.
1: Yeah. Alan Jackson has an interesting favorite food. Is it pineapple related? It, it sure is pineapple related. So for the general audience, I wanted to bring this piece of information to Connor And I wanted us to try it. So I made sure Connor... I mean, I wanted to make sure he had all the ingredients. Some stuff he's guaranteed to have. But I had to check in and make sure that he had other things without giving away what this was going to be. And pineapple was obviously one that he might not have on hand and I needed him to have. So pineapple is involved. Specifically, pineapple slices is what you requested. It's true.
0: And so I I did my own fun thing with this. Yeah? I didn't know what kind of pineapple slices you'd want. You know, there's so many different
1: brands of canned pineapple slices. That's true. A lot of variety in the pineapple world. And they all taste very different.
0: Yeah. And so I decided, plus, you know, how long is that pineapple been on the shelf? Does, like, its length of a shelf life have anything to do with whatever this is? Mm, being in a can? Instead, I bought a whole pineapple. Good grief. <laughs> what am
1: I going to do? That's a very me kind of thing to do.
0: Yeah. And I prepped it a little bit, but not really. <laughs>
1: What's that mean? What you do?
0: <laughs> I have... A pineapple that I've sliced the top off of, stuck a pineapple decor slash uh, slicer into, stuck it in a frying pan, and have it sitting here next to me. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. So that I could slice it, get it as freshly sliced as possible for whatever I needed it for.
1: Well, that's impressive. Good on you.
0: So it's ready to be sliced at a moment's notice. Cool.
1: Alan Jackson's favorite food is pineapple on eggs and cheese. What? What? i know what <laughs> i know eggs and
0: cheese
1: apparently it's a regional georgia thing okay just like a fried egg scrambled it's- scrambled eggs okay yeah he said he his grandma used to make it this
0: actually is making being less weird as you say that oh Yeah. Just scrambled eggs with cheese is already a, like, thing. Yeah. And so just adding a little bit of pineapple, that's a fruit. It's a breakfast food. People like fruit with breakfast. It's not the, like, most normal way to have eggs I've ever heard of, but
1: it's not as weird as where I thought this was going to (laughs) go. I mean, I guess true. Just the cold knowledge of have a pineapple and make sure you got a fridge full of stuff could lead to a lot of different places. But yeah, this is where we're at. Pineapple and eggs and cheese. And I, I'm a skeptic. But I think it's mm, okay. The problem I would have is like the cold with the hot i don't know how that's gonna mesh
0: well because i assume you scramble your eggs yeah yeah put the cheese on it to melt it to melt it yeah and then do you throw the pineapple in at that same time so it warms up a little bit like it's like more like cooked pineapple or is hmm. it cold pineapple
1: i don't know i didn't really go searching for much of a recipe i kind of assumed it would just be as simple i'm gonna say you could do it either way okay i won't hold you to it one way or another yeah this really doesn't sound i think if you, i would probably do it warm well then but, you could uh, do it warm and i'll do it on top later and we'll see how it goes
0: this really doesn't sound that awful i mean people like pineapple on pizza i don't know i'm one of those people well yeah i mean pizza has cheese sure so it already is sharing some ingredients there that's a good point i think this is a true fact
1: all right what's uh, your lock-in level there
0: Honestly, at this point, paperclip locked in, you know?
1: Paperclip locked in? What sound does that make? Tink. Tink. Okay. Well, we've locked in a true fact. Alan Jackson's favorite food is pineapple on eggs and cheese. Ladies and gentlemen, this is my first perfect week against Cork. No! This is a spin. No! <laughs> this
0: is 100%
1: untrue.
0: A 100% untruth. There's Absolutely. not truth in this. You had me
1: buy a pineapple for absolutely no truth at all well let me tell you a little story alan jackson's actual favorite food is a pineapple and mayonnaise sandwich
0: oh
1: (laughs) as the mixtaper boy that sounded appealing to me and i knew i had to bring it for the podcast and i knew we had to eat pineapple and mayonnaise sandwiches together i can't believe you didn't leave it as that (laughs) <laughs> yeah, well, see, so I thought about it. I thought about it. But then I thought, well, I just made him buy pineapple. And he's going to think that whatever I say is true because I made him buy a pineapple. <laughs> so what if I changed the food that I'm talking about?
0: No, actually.
1: So, yes, I was a slightly like, uh, th- he's
0: probably having me buy the pineapple for some true bit of information he found. But if you had said pineapple and mayonnaise sandwich, I immediately would have had alarm bells because of your love of sandwiches and just how awful of a sandwich that is. I think I would have said that was a spin. I think either way you would have got me with
1: that. Wow, that's a relief. But wow, I'm stunned. Thank you so much. Oh, (laughs) this is what it feels like. This is what it feels like. Woo, it's wild. Ew. But yeah, pineapple and mayonnaise sandwiches. I was not kidding. Apparently a regional Georgia thing. He says that I'm never without blue plate mayonnaise when I'm on tour. So he travels with this stuff. Here's the problem. What's the problem?
0: <laughs> Pineapple eggs and cheese, I could absolutely make right this second. I
1: know. Well, that's why I confirmed what ingredients you had.
0: I cannot make a pineapple mayonnaise
1: sandwich. Why not? I checked. I checked and you said you had all this stuff. I don't have bread. What? <laughs> <laughs> of all the things, you said you had <laughs> Well, you know what that means? That means you have to make the pineapple and eggs. That's your punishment for failing.
0: I think I'd rather have that. I'll take that. That'll be my consolation after this humiliating defeat. We
1: do have to try it eventually. I figured we'd do it as outro banter. Yeah, that'd be great. (laughs) After the episode ends, we'll, we'll take a break and make our concoctions and then return for a brief food review. Sure. You don't have bread. I did. You eat so many peanut butter and jelly sandwiches.
0: Well, that's why I started laughing because I did until last night when I had peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for dinner. How many? And used up the last
1: of my bread. No, hold on. How many? How many peanut butter and jelly sandwiches? Five. unbelievable <laughs> yeah and see that that totally accounts for the plot hole of oh mixtaper you live with connor why didn't you just go buy all this stuff to have it on hand well who knew i needed to buy bread who knew you were gonna eat 10 slices of bread last night and foil my plans to make you eat a pineapple mayonnaise sandwich oh, your yeah,
0: bread wasn't on the list of things to make sure we're in the apartment no
1: because i assumed you'd absolutely have bread But I should have, you're right, it's my fault, I should have done my due diligence, but I thought bread would have really given away the sandwich thing.
0: But you didn't even bring up the sandwich thing! No. You could have just thrown it in with the other random list of things you said to make sure we had. And surprisingly, eggs was the thing I would have thought I wouldn't have, because I normally wouldn't, but my mother just gave me a bunch of fresh eggs from their chickens. So I have a bunch of eggs that I've been looking for an excuse to use.
1: Well, tonight is the night. Eggs (laughs) and pineapple. Awesome. Heck yeah. Wow, I'm shocked. I am too. I cannot believe it. It's a good thing the season
0: doesn't look to be anywhere near on the close. I mean, it's been going for so long. Good thing that we have time to take the lead Ooh. back and you definitely would not end.
1: Well, do I have bad news for you? I'm looking at my mixtaper calendar here. Uh oh. This is, turns out, the episode I had marked to end season 6 yeah this was it this was the last episode of season 6 what a coincidence what a coinky dink i mean what are the
0: odds that on your shutout against me and taking the lead
1: well, I want to be clear. This makes it look like you conspired with me for this. No, you didn't. I, I earned that shutout. Oh, yeah. No, I totally did. I I I conspired. I threw this week. You know, last time no. I threatened to throw no. to give you a
0: win. No. And
1: that's what I did this time. Whatever. <laughs> well, that's going to end season six, which we've been in, by the way. For a really long time. <laughs> since episode 78. 78 at the beginning of 2023 is when the season started and it's now mid-December so
0: and we're on episode what
1: 126 did it last over a year No, because it started at the beginning of the year and ended in mid-December.
0: Oh, it did start at the beginning of the year. So we were a couple episodes off from going being a year-long season. I was just doing the math. I knew we were getting close to 50-something. Yeah,
1: I really had considered that as my initial plan. Certainly, that would have been logical.
0: Yeah, but I mean, riding this high, you've just got to... Man,
1: two shutouts in a row, I got to end a season on. Yeah, I mean... It's better to burn out than to spin away. That was deep. Yeah, I have depth. Hey, I'm the hottest mixtaper in the untrue, but that doesn't mean I can't be deep. I
0: thought you were about to say you're the hottest mixtaper in the Arctic Science Penguin Club.
1: Well, I'm not. There's another one there. He's pretty good looking. Oh, dang! <laughs> oh, this was a good week. Wow, it just all came together. Man, I saw the code. Definitely didn't throw that. You, you can't change my mind. You locked it no in way with a paperclip. No way you threw it. You locked it in with a paperclip. Yeah,
0: I I locked it in the paperclip because if I locked it in too confidently, you know something was up. Wow.
1: Well. well, stay <laughs> tuned for a taste test later in the episode. I'm gonna go get my own pineapple ready.
0: I have to shake this and talk about this album I like. Yeah. Ugh.
1: Good luck. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Boy, that was a hard one to listen to. Sorry.
0: I'm so sorry. I've never experienced defeat, let alone a shutout.
1: Yeah, I know. Yeah, he went from 50-50 to 4 out of 4. I mean, that's that's rough. Man. I don't have any Words of consolation.
0: You know what? We both screwed up to lead to the end of this season like this. You had your shutout last week. I had mine. It's true.
1: That's actually maybe a good way to think about it. The host team really flubbed the end of season six.
0: Yeah, it was a real a choke on the host team's part. But what a what a plot twist! I mean, nobody saw that coming.
1: I like to think that I did, but that kind of is a lie. Well, all right. I guess let's get into the album art. Yeah, let's.
0: Classic country album art. Picture of the singer's face. yeah yeah
1: that's so common he's looking looking to the left what do you think he's looking at
0: he's looking to our right his left
1: yeah stage left
0: maybe it's peanut
1: peanut maybe okay i have a theory Or like a belief, I guess, about some album covers. Especially in country music. I see this a lot. And it's just a theory. It's not like a hard and fast rule. So keep in mind. But I think a lot of times if the artist's name is bigger than the album title on a a cover, it seems like the focus is really on the artist rather than the album. Like, why are people going to buy this? Because it's Alan Jackson. There's less focus on, like, what the album is. I think
0: that's absolutely true.
1: Yeah. I feel like that's how it used
0: to be, right? Like, album covers in general used to just be the track list and like the artist's name to get people to like buy it i mean pretty much like hey look this person has these songs country music is like the closest thing we have to the past in terms of musical taste yeah that and like classic rock like that's i feel like a carryover from that of just something
1: traditional that's gonna sell the album well i think that's part of it if you're an alan jackson fan here's alan jackson look at this yeah well i think there's a danger sometimes, in an album becoming a less cohesive piece of work. Or, like, you know, the album ends up being a bunch of songs that could kind of indistinctly fit on a bunch of different albums, say. But I think it happens a lot because, A, there are so many covers of songs in country music. So many instances where people don't write their own songs, and they just kind of pick what sounds like them, or what they like, or what's good. And so there's, like, a little bit of that element to it. But then also, so many country artists really never change up their signature style or sound too much. So I feel like they don't ever evolve too much from record to record, which kind of could make them blend together, could make the songs on the record feel a little interchangeable. I'm not saying that happens with Drive. I'm not saying that happens with every album that has an artist name bigger than the album title. But I just noticed it here, and I thought it'd be an interesting place to bring it up. It happens sometimes. Like, does it matter which Luke Bryan album that song is from? No. It sounds like a Luke Bryan song. You know what I mean? Yeah. Anyway, just a theory, just kind of a barometer... For how an album's gonna be, what my expectations are. Not a rule, just a good litmus test.
0: And I think this is an example where it's not true. I agree. Uh, I think this album, written a lot by Alan Jackson, very cohesive. Yep. A lot of songs about cars. Let's just jump right into it. Yeah. With Drive for Daddy Gene. This song is actually in his spotify top five songs
1: yeah it seemed to be a big hit which was interesting because i hadn't heard of it
0: biggest hit on the album you hadn't heard of this really no
1: yeah wild i maybe wow. have heard it in passing on the radio like passively sometimes in my past but i would never have named this if you told me to pick out an alan jackson song
0: that's kind of wild to me
1: i would now yeah so you would now so that means you like it i did like drive a lot i was confused obviously the title drive immediately leads me to think of cars title track yeah and i was like oh cool song of about driving let's see what it's all about and then he starts singing about a boat and I was like, okay, that's confusing. I mean, I guess you can drive a boat, but... Not what you expected. It really threw me for a loop right off the bat. Sure. And then we get into the car. Also, fun fact about Alan Jackson that the mixtaper declined to bring. He does drive planes. He's got his private pilot's license. I knew that one. That's why the mixtaper did not bring it. He had a, a hunch.
0: Uh, drive real fast before we get too far into it. Written by Alan Jackson. <laughs> sure was. It references Eugene. Uh, Daddy, Daddy Gene. Gene. His dad. Daddy Gene and little Al. Yeah. It debuted at number 53 on the U.S. Billboard chart. Taylor Swift sang this song as a tribute to Alan Jackson when he was honored by CMT Giants. That's really cool. So when picking an album, this album... Wasn't It was on the short list, but it wasn't at the top of the short list,
1: mm-hmm.
0: right? You kind of said everything else just kind of got knocked out. But also, this song kind of just rose through the ranks the more I listened to it. Yeah. There was a lot of songs I knew, but I was like, yeah, but there's like, you know, I mean, you got Chattahoochee and you got, you know, all these other hits. But then I would find myself at work singing Alan Jackson songs, so that's all I was listening to was different albums. Mm-hmm. And the ones I found myself singing were ones like Drive or where were you or things like that. I just kept coming back to songs on this album. And so I was like, I guess this is the one, but I think this song specifically great title track starting off the album strong i think it encapsulates so much of what i like about songs like if i could write the perfect song oh yeah this song does a lot of what i would want it to do
1: Mm -hmm. well every chorus is distinct changing choruses yeah (laughs) it tells a good story it progresses through time got a good hook the instrumentals are great yeah i mean it's great what's your favorite chorus of the three i don't know it's got to be the second one the one where he's actually driving the car interesting i think that's the thing a lot of people can relate to yeah i mean i've driven a boat
0: but you know whatever Uh, yeah sure no i agree i think actually each chorus gets better i think the third one Mm. is my favorite
1: i don't know i've never taught a kid to drive yeah okay seriously
0: can't relate to that but i just really like the perspective shift oh that's true that's really cool to be like all of a sudden i love love a good bridge but i want a bridge to have some sort of significance to the song and to the story as this one does as this one does right a lot of times you get a good bridge musically like oh that adds something musically to the song good Mm -hmm. but sometimes the lyrics aren't necessarily as useful right it's true this one the bridge shifts not only the song the music but it shifts the
1: perspective of the song and i just really like how that leads us into that final chorus I did learn something about you, I think, from the bridge. Yeah? Yeah, well, he says maybe one day they'll reach back in their file and pull out that old memory. And it really shed a lot of light to me on our Phoebe Bridgers episode where you used the past, present, and future filing cabinet metaphor for how you remember things. Still do. What do you mean? Well, I think you picked it right up from Alan Jackson. You have a file yeah. that pulls out old memories.
0: Yeah, and a paper shredder
1: that's in the past. It definitely reminded me of that. I just feel like I, I understood a little better.
0: That is funny. And I mean, I think the rhyming is... Classic country song rhyming. Nothing too silly.
1: It's a catchy song. I thought it was interesting too i mean that the chorus changes every time to follow the story but it still comes back to that great refrain
0: yeah it's nice and they handle the rhyming pretty darn well in certain places where like he needs a pickup word but like the way he fills in the cadence with the pickup word works like in the chorus when i can't replace the way it made me feel and i would press that clutch because he rhymes the previous line a young boy two hands on the wheel with feel but throws in that and as a pickup for the next line for
1: clutch mm-hmm. and it works Yes, it's true. Works really well. Big fan of Drive. Me too. Nice harmonica, nice mandolin, and it closes with a line that really just made me think that electric choke sounds like a sick supervillain move. Electric (laughs) choke. Anyway, I don't know much about engines.
0: Chrome is freezing on me and struggling to load the next song's lyrics.
1: Maybe your computer will blue screen. Hope not. If it does, you'll be a little bluer than that. Oof.
0: Yeah, a little bluer than that. Up next, did you know this one, even though
1: it's less popular on Spotify? I'm going to tell you right now, the only song I knew on this album was Where Were You When the World Stopped Turning. Really? Every other track was new. I guess I just
0: assumed the fact that Alan Jackson was already on your ranking spreadsheet, that maybe you would hear heard more of his music.
1: I've heard, I mean... The biggest, biggest hits. Don't Rock the Jukebox and Way Down, Yonder on the Chattahoochee in The Works. Okay, that's interesting. Okay, so then tell me what was your opinion of A Little Bluer than that? Well, my opinion was interesting. I thought it had a really good chorus. I really liked the steel guitar vibes. Yep, yep, yep. My first question was... <laughs> Who's on the radio if it's not him? Tonight, if you turn your radio on, you might hear a sad song. It may sound like me, but I'm a little bluer than that. Well, who is it? Somebody else. Somebody else. I like the concept of this song. We've had
0: other songs that are similar to this concept, Mm -hmm. other perspectives, but usually it's more like, oh, I can love you more than that person or something like that, right? Usually it's like that kind of twist, whereas this one is more, ooh, I'm sadder than these other sad things. Yeah, it's
1: it goes a step further than the low-hanging fruit of I'm as blue as the sky or as blue as the ocean or as blue as a song on the radio. Like, it's a step beyond.
0: Yeah, or or I'll never stop loving you till these things that can never happen. Well, you true. know, like, it takes it a step farther than
1: all of those. Yeah, but I do think bluer is a pretty stupid looking word. It's a stupid looking word. Yeah, it's fine. It gets the point across. Yeah. The other thing I thought was interesting is that he didn't write or co-write it. This is one of the songs that he didn't contribute to. Yeah, I was just about to get to that. Oh, this one was written by Mark Irwin and Irene Kelly. Yeah, I've met Mark Irwin. So that's fun. Oh, really? That's awesome. I looked it up and I was like, oh, how about that? I hate to say this. Okay. I cannot emphasize how much I hate to say this. Literally so much. I had this thought, and I despised it from the depth of my being immediately. All I can picture is Alan Jackson as a Smurf. <laughs> and now you have to think of it, too. But he's a little bluer than that. He's a little bluer than you Smurf. You might think
0: he's a Smurf, but he's a little bluer than that. <laughs> he's just a Smurf with, like, a sunburn? What happens to... How does a Smurf get bluer? Choke him out. It's just little, ugly, flirty, blue owl and his pet monkey
1: peanut. That's right. Or Smurf owl. Little, ugly, flirty Smurf owl. I just really did, like... A little bluer than that. We're kind of on a strong start to the album, I think. It's a a
0: very strong start. I mean, again, the chorus, very catchy, very memorable. gets stuck in your head. Yeah. He does this interesting cadence. He finds these fun, smooth, but like playful cadences. Like when he gets to, where did we go wrong? I wish I knew. It haunts me all the time. That like slows down. That gets drawn out, right? Mm -hmm. And then he immediately follows the drawn out. It haunts me all the time with the, more syncopated now wherever I go, whatever I do, you know it's so fun how he's able to play with that. I mean, he didn't write this one, but no. he sings it, so he gets the credit. No, <laughs> right. I, I just like that. That's very fun. It'd be very easy to make it all syncopated or all flowy. I like that he mixes it up within the chorus. Yeah. I don't know any other notes about this one. No notes on this one. Bring on, bring on the night. All right, bring on the night. Back to this one, written by Jackson, but with the help of Charlie
1: Craig and Keith Stegall. It gets start so early now bring on the night is a song you could sing at like 3 30 really it's so annoying yeah because see nashville's right where the time zone line kind of is oh and so we've just gone through daylight savings for time stamping this episode it just gets dark really early in the winters here it just happened and it's what made me think of that during this song sad I know. What a song. This song, a way slower song. Yeah. This is the classic sexy song trying to half pretend that it's not a sexy song so it could be on the radio in the 90s in (laughs) 2002. That's kind of the vibe I got from it. Fair enough. I mean, it's way slower, right? It takes him 30 seconds to get
0: like three lines deep into the first verse (laughs) Mm -hmm. like significantly slower so naming an album drive great i mean most popular song on the album was the title track so cool yeah but i felt like going into it you could be like "Ooh, this is going to be a hard one for the title to really work its way into the theme of the whole album and not just be named after a hit yeah actually i don't think so i think it works he ties cars and car at least imagery into a lot of these songs yeah i'm in a stream of cars on this boulevard i mean that alone right there is just a nice little tug back to drive and really all the different definitions of drive that you could take into these love songs as well like he has the <laughs> sex drive oh okay yeah sex drive yep yep <laughs> you got the i was gonna take it a more wholesome way of like a drive to like love
1: someone yeah i think the title works it does call it a day and bring on the night is an incredible hook Really? It's a great hook. So much so that I can't believe it's not more overused. Well, it's already been done now. That's why.
0: They know Alan Jackson did it. I'm just saying that doesn't stop people from taking a good concept and running it to the ground. That's true. I, I
1: had some interesting thoughts about some of the lyrics. Yeah. He talks about pulling down the shades. It's like, why are they? They're, they're called shades, but they're not shading anything. It's night. I mean, I get why you'd want to close the shades. And believe me, we don't need to see anything. But they're not shading anything. What gives? Also, he says, lock the world outside and throw away the key. That's prison. Oh, it's true. They're trapped inside. <laughs> it's just his
0: voice is so melodic in the chorus and like soft. He just has a good voice for a song like this. It's smooth, yeah. Like, there are other country artists that would not pull this song off.
1: No. What's interesting is, I think there are some differences. I mean, we could talk about it in a couple tracks when we get to his duet with George Strait. But, like, you said George Strait's like a chocolate cake guy. And that's true. He's got a really rich, smooth voice. Uh huh. Alan Jackson also has kind of a smooth voice, but he's got a lot more punch to it in a lot of places.
0: Yeah, it's it's from where he has those moments in his songs where it gets more syncopated and he puts a little more emphasis behind what he's saying, a little more power behind it. Mm -hmm. He's not just coasting down the river the entire time. Yeah. You don't get too full. The sweet tooth stays active. Too fatigued. You don't get fatigued of Alan Jackson in the same way. You don't get fatigued. Yeah. If anything, he pulls you in one more. I feel like, especially with how strong of a start these first three are, it just makes you go, what else is going to be on this album? Like, how long can he keep up this back-to-back great song, in my opinion? Back-to-back-to-back. Really strong ones. Yeah. I think the next track is a great example of what you're saying about the fatigue, right? He mixes it up. Yeah. (laughs) You go from this very smooth, very soft bring on the night to immediately a plucky work in progress.
1: That sounded pretty finished to me. I don't know. (laughs) I think, I started to think when I hit this song, you've really found an album that walks the line between your affinity for novelty songs and like humor (laughs) and like something serious, ballad guy style. Maybe that's part of why I kept coming back to it. Totally, because Work in Progress is a very funny song. It is, right? He talks about all the ways he screwed up, like leaving the baby. At the nursery or uh-huh. forgetting anniversaries or not trimming his mustache.
0: I think country music in general is that line between serious styles of music and novelty songs. I think that's where the crossover happens.
1: Yeah, a lot of times.
0: That is the closest you get to like, you know, like thinking of like two different dimensions, you know, in like sci-fi music, like, oh, there's a nexus between worlds. The nexuses typically pop up in country songs (laughs) there's a reason ray stevens also had a successful country career (laughs) it's true
1: i really thought this song was very line dance shuffly it had that plucky guitar oh yeah okay it really reminded me of brooks and dunn in a lot of ways what we just talked about on brand new man and i also can't help but notice that he wrote this song after he and his wife separated and got back together it feels like maybe a bit of a very sincere kind of apology yeah i mean in a humorous way but definitely acknowledging funny faults and flaws and admitting he's gonna work better
0: and you know he has to drive to continue to work on himself as this work in progress if she'll just be
1: patient Mm, that's how you tied it in not bad i tied it in with one day She'll be driving a brand new car. That's what I did. A brand new car to drive. If
0: you want to take the more literal lyric, sure. I'm just saying.
1: I think I think it's a fun song. I think it is too.
0: It's not as good as
1: the other three. It doesn't deserve the mantle of great like the other ones have. No. But it is
0: solid. We talked about this back on like the Michael Jackson album, right? Like Michael Jackson's idea for that album was... All hit singles. What if I just made an album that was all hits? You know, and he was very nearly successful. There was only like one song or two songs in there that I was like, meh. (laughs) <laughs> he was pretty darn successful that's not the standard not every song can be a juggernaut i think good not great is acceptable <laughs>
1: sure well i'm not saying every song can or even should be a juggernaut then you get exhausted exactly talk about fatigue i'm just saying it's not also talking about going to shonies very dated yeah <laughs> i don't even know if i could find an open Shoney's. i think i know of one about two hours away so it sounds like you could find an open one. I think it's open. I'm not sure.
0: The first song that I hit on this on this album that I was like I'm not sure what James is going to think about this song was The Sounds. So I'm actually very curious to hear your opinion of The Sounds.
1: I liked the sounds of this one. Okay. Actually, the instrumentals were really cool. Okay. Okay. I thought the instrumentals would pull you in. They did. And do you know where the song lost me? Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. The chorus. I thought so. I thought so. I was like, this is his weakest
0: of the choruses so far.
1: Yeah. Oh, I was totally into it. The verses were great. Yep. The verses great. About hearing the heartbeat and hearing the tears and the memories and the pictures. The guitar pluck in there, very in the forefront. Yeah. And then we get to the chorus and- I just, I don't know. Those are the sounds of a heartbreaking. You can't hear it, but the noise is killing me. It was okay.
0: It felt like a, again, a different topic, a different theme, but the same style song of a little bluer than that. Yes. Right. Like he's just naming things that fit a state of something happening. Right. But like, I don't think it lands quite the same way. No. It doesn't go far enough. Like a little bluer than that just did went just the right amount far. Right. Yeah. This one, like it was
1: missing a step. In that metaphor. I feel like the big problem with The Sounds is The Sounds has one of the biggest, like, boom, shocker, pulled it back moments on the album, I think. Yeah. At the last bit of the song where he says, I can hear it and the silence is killing me instead of the noise is killing me huge i was gonna ask you about that
0: i think this song is a bit of a roller coaster it's like great bill great bill great bill bit of a letdown with the chorus yeah it was and then all of a sudden it hits you with a couple really good things one i think the chorus is a letdown but the last line of the chorus I really like the, you can't hear it, but the noise is killing me. I think it's a great line.
1: It's okay. I don't think it set the hook strong enough for that big jerk pull me back in moment (sighs) at the end. I think that's just the other three lines of the chorus didn't set it up enough. I think that line
0: is perfect. I would not change that line. I would just change the other three.
1: I would entertain that a song with a different most of the chorus.
0: Because again, it's great because
1: all the verses set
0: up things that you're not really going to be able to hear they're not actual sounds they're memories right i can hear a song by the look in her eyes or i can hear all the times that i like all the times i remember her crying it's like the memory is so strong i can vividly hear it Mm -hmm. but none of them are actually there so you can't hear it but those noises are killing me yeah and then that is great with the final one-two punch of I
1: can hear it and the silence is killing me is a
0: great reversal
1: it's a good reversal I wanted to like the song more than I found myself doing it it's definitely the weakest of the five
0: so far that we've talked about but I think that last line of the chorus the good verses the good instrumentals and that outro redeem it from being like a mass song back to a in the right mood it's a good song like you have to be in the right mood for this
1: song i think his biggest problem is that it has the potential to be like the third best so far and it just feels wasted
0: i agree you judge it by what you know it could be Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) but that little piano flourish at the very end was really good yeah like that a lot too depending on the
0: listen and what mood i was in what time of day it was and all that jazz changed whether or not i was like this is a good song or this is a mess song
1: here's a hot take i can't say it about many of the songs on this album i actually liked the other. song called The Sound that we did better, which was the 1975. Okay. I don't think I like many 1975 songs better than Alan Jackson songs, but The Sound really is it. I think we come out of that downward
0: trend. We've been going with work in progress and The Sounds. Not that it was, you know, crossed the threshold of bad yet.
1: Mm, No.
0: Yeah. You think The Sounds crosses that threshold? It's
1: flirting with it.
0: It's flirting with it. I would say meh to good, depending on your mood.
1: Let's say it's not the hottest scientist in the Arctic Research Facility. (laughs) Okay, okay. But I think
0: Designated Drinker pulls this back up a little bit. Boy, oh boy. Third most popular song on the album.
1: Yeah, I had a lot of expectations for this song and thoughts about it. But first of all, The Return of the King. The Return of the King. And so soon. We just talked about George Strait on episode 116. Uh So if you found this Alan Jackson episode and haven't checked out the back catalog yet, 116, George Strait. Is a good place to start. I loved the title, okay? Designated drinker. Great title. Clever twist incoming. You could clock that right away.
0: (laughs) You're like, I see you. Uh
1: (laughs) Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And I had really high expectations for that twist, for the setup and the knockdown of that designated drinker bit. Uh Uh-huh. I felt a little
0: let down. Mm, It was it wasn't really a big hook twist. It was just kind of the whole theme of the chorus. Yeah, it was kind
1: of lame. And it was just like, it's weird to me that canonically in the song, our two voices seem to just be actual Alan Jackson and actual George Strait just hanging out. I know, right? I do not love that. It's so weird. They're just broing out together. And I did think, though, this line in the chorus about the one that wrapped me around her finger, it felt like a very clever allusion to George Strait's very first single, Unwound. So I liked that. But yeah, man, I just was kind of disappointed. Mm.
0: I think designated drinker duet, I immediately go to like a bunch of Toby Keith duets that take place in bars. They're typically jauntier songs like this.
1: I kind of thought it would be the opposite. I thought it would play more off the designated driver thing instead of both of them drinking. Like there's not a designated drinker. They're both drinking. I feel like I wanted it to play more off of someone stuck being the designated driver. I gotta be the one that drinks tonight. Instead of both of them just going for it. It was a little unexpected and underwhelming. I guess, are they both partying? Yeah. I came here to get you to help me. I'm not the kind that likes to drown my sorrows. Yeah, just to get his mind off of her. That I may hate myself tomorrow, but tonight I'm the designated drinker. It feels like they're both drinking. Right Tonight, they end the song with... We're the designated drinkers.
0: I thought it was a playoff, a designated driver, right? He said, normally you would, the line would be, I like, I needed you to come be my designated driver, right? That's why he hated to call them out because he's not going to have as much fun because he has to be the designated driver. I
1: guess you're my designated drinking buddy. I don't know. Like, that's the style where... What? You're the guy I'm designating to drink with me. I don't know. No.
0: No, 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 no. I'm pretty certain he's calling this guy out to be his designated driver. That's why he's saying, he says, here's my keys. I want you to take them. And in the course, he's like, or in one of the verses, he's like, I hated to call... You do this for me because I do the same thing for you. He's asking him to just come out and listen to him complain about the loss of love and be his designated driver so he can get plastered and forget this woman.
1: Well, that's fine, but they both sing that they're going to drink. It doesn't make sense. Uh, well,
0: yeah, I think that's just because it's a duet.
1: Yeah, I know. See, that ruins it. It Are we in the world of the song or not? Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Where are the speakers coming from? What are these voices acting as? That's fair. And it's disorienting and I didn't like it.
0: You could argue that this takes place at two different moments in time maybe they are doing it for each other at two different moments in time
1: i thought about that except for then the outro tonight we're the designated drinkers (laughs) we need to get to where we can't think of her so we're drinking together are they thinking of the same person different people
0: yeah
1: i never viewed it that way in my head it was a play off a designated driver well sure i just wanted it to use that angle in a different way to leverage that pun i never expected it to be a more clever sock. Well, then you were never disappointed. Yeah. No, I wasn't. But boy, holy tone shift, Batman.
0: Yeah, we're bouncing all around. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, I like real fast before we tone shift. Designated Drinker, I think, is the right tone coming off of the sounds sure i like that we took it to a more jolly jaunty i'm gonna get drunk party with me vibe well they kind
1: of go together exactly right i hear the sound of you leaving i'm still wallowing in your memory gotta do something about it gonna call up george straight they go together but they're opposite sides of the coin Mm-hmm. where are you looking for that coin alan jackson Hmm. <laughs> it took me a moment to realize well, that was a reference to <laughs> i was like what we all know where the coin is <laughs> yeah but holy tone shift
0: batman up next where were you parentheses when the world stopped
1: turning yeah his post 9 11 tribute song i mean first of all who hasn't heard this song if you are over the age of like anything in your teens you definitely have yeah i was really young i mean to where i was when the world stopped turning so was i like i remember it happening but i don't remember me during it i couldn't answer the question where were you in the world? Step turning? I couldn't tell you where I was. No. I mean, at school, little preschool. I
0: know I've known the answer. My dad and mom have told me, but I've forgotten. I was probably at home. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, not like you had any agency to go anywhere that your parents weren't. You know, I was quite
0: young. Not a lot of places I could have been. <laughs> right.
1: I think this was the kind of the perfect song for the moment. Really, in a lot of ways, it absolutely was. Also, I mean, just sorry, Ray Stevens. AJ wins it big time. No, absolutely. And anyone else that did a song too. I mean, there were a couple. A good, more than a couple. But there's a reason that this one kind of is still around and is remembered. And it's just because it was such like a tough moment for the nation. And
0: I think it's because it's different from every other tribute song that came out yeah. around that time. I feel like almost all the songs that came out in response to this were very patriotic. Yeah were very maybe vengeful or like we're gonna get you back you don't know what you've done hey uncle sam a lot were Mm -hmm. there's a lot of songs that were that way a lot of very preachy style songs and this one's very reflective it's reflective it hits everyone no matter who you are where you're from what your walk of life is because all it is is him somberly asking you different locations you very well might have been and things you might have very
1: well have been doing in that moment. Or feeling, doing a feeling. Or feeling, yeah. It is just reflective. For people that live through it, it's a moment you'll never forget. And he just calls attention to it in a very gentle and like impactful way. I mean, I hear this song and I get emotional and I don't know where I was. I was a child. I was very
0: small. Yeah. I was a little... You were a little i was i was a little ugly flirty smurf con (laughs) yeah with no pet monkey peanut (laughs) yeah hey that's true
1: that's true but that's a sentence you didn't wake up thinking you'd be saying today (laughs) it's the perfect and it's become patriotic i feel like well it has its moments of
0: like patriotism i mean it does it's like did you burst out in pride for the red white and blue but that itself isn't necessarily patriotic just asking were you patriotic yeah right It's not going, yeah, America! It's
1: just going, is that how you felt? And what's interesting, too, is it manages to kind of end itself on a very positive note in light of all this stuff that's gone down and the the heavy emotions we've dealt with. Faith, hope, and love are good things that God gave us, and the greatest is love. And so we kind of still end with an optimistic outlook for, like, man, we've been through a lot of hard stuff, but all we can do is, like, persist. And just learn to do better. Learn to respond in good ways to each other.
0: There's actually a really cool quote from Alan Jackson on this that I think is just really explains what he was going for and what he, in my opinion, nailed. He says, I didn't want to write a patriotic song, and I didn't want it to be vengeful either, but I didn't want to forget about how I felt and how I knew other people felt that day. I've always been really careful about writing or recording preachy songs, And I didn't want it to look like I was taking advantage of the situation for my own career. Mm -hmm. I never wanted to come across that way. I've always felt uncomfortable about the attention this song's brought to me. And I guess I was always uncomfortable about what it was written about. But I just think, you know, that really speaks to where he was coming from with this song. And I think he nailed it.
1: Yeah. It's really admirable that he doesn't want attention drawn to it. So here it is on a podcast. Yeah. (laughs) I'm also really interested like that. It's track seven here. It really struck me Uh just like kind of hidden in the middle of this album. I mean,
0: where do you put a song like this?
1: You don't start the album with it. It feels hard to end the album with it. And so I guess kind of putting it here on what would probably start the flip side of your, I don't know, 2002 cassette tape uh, like that. I guess this is an appropriate place. And then, holy, even worse tone shift, Batman. <laughs> I don't know about worse, eh. but, I mean, there's what tone shift
0: isn't going to be. No,
1: yeah, it's true. It's true. But instead of doing anything similar. Going
0: in and out of this song is always going to be abrupt, no matter what you do.
1: Boy, but it's the hardest <laughs> pivot in the world. Is that an accordion? I mean, really? Really? <laughs> It's fun, man. Oh, it's wild.
0: If you're going to go for it, you go for it swinging for the fences, right? I guess so. (laughs) If no matter what you put after this is going to be jarring, why not an accordion?
1: Why not? Where (laughs) else are you going to put it? I thought this song was very fun. I actually really enjoyed it.
0: I can't believe you didn't know this one. This was another one that I couldn't believe only had nine million plays.
1: This one sounded like it could have been familiar, but I don't know. The
0: chorus specifically I thought you would have recognized. Yeah. And like the beginning, just that just that again, that cadence. If money grew on Hackaberry Trees, like in one line he's done both stretched out and syncopated rhythms.
1: Yeah. I think part of what it might have been was we talked about how I grew up on like Tim McGraw from like the late 90s, early 2000s. This feels a lot like a Tim McGraw style song from everywhere, from all kinds of stuff. Okay. Yeah, sure. It's got that same vibe. So I can't tell if I knew it knew it or if it was just reminiscent of those. Fair enough. I do. This is another one with some very interesting kind of funny lyrics. It'd be all right if I could hold the tiger by its tail Uh and eat half a ham sandwich. You know why he said ham sandwich and not pineapple? Because deep down he knows it's weird.
0: I was gonna, I was gonna say, sounds like you should have said pineapple.
1: That's yes, deep down he knows it's strange.
0: <laughs> it is a strange sandwich. Yeah.
1: Also, though, he didn't write this song.
0: <laughs> oh, that's true. We, we kind of skipped over that. That'd be all right. One of the other ones not written by Jackson, written by Tim Nichols, Mark D. Sanders, and Tia Sillers.
1: Yeah, I think it's a very nice lightweight song to recover from the heaviest song of the decade. I think. <laughs> It really does bounce far back. Uh-huh. The chorus is one of the catchiest of all time. And when I was coming down to pick my top threes, I did have a lot of trouble. Well, yeah? With especially That'd Be All Right. I didn't want to do the you thing and like take half the album. But I found myself on the brink. And so we'll get there when we get there.
0: <laughs> do it. I mean, it's, it's your chance to do it. You're in the me position. That's
1: true. But I really did like That'd Be All Right. It was a different kind of song for the album. I don't think it kind of sticks out from the rest of the pack. Sure does. And then we get into what I believe is just like the love stretch of the album.
0: Yeah. We go real lovey dovey. We've
1: got the last four in a row. We get boom, love, boom, love, boom, love, boom, love. Like he can't even keep it out of a title. <laughs> you're right that's why i noticed i was like man he really saved these all up for the end all right was that your
0: way ready to move on are you done with that be all right already
1: uh yeah i am
0: moving on that be all right that'd be all right
1: all right well up next (laughs)
0: once in a lifetime love
1: yeah once in a lifetime love had a really really good chorus but i thought the verses kind of fell off harder than they oughta. like do the verses even make sense like really like if you really stop and think about it sometimes it's hard to know when you've got it, but also it's unmistakable and literally impossible to miss it. But also it may be so disguised and you'd never even know it. Yeah, sometimes. I guess.
0: That's love. Love is one of the most difficult emotions to comprehend. That's why divorce is so high. <laughs> well. <laughs> I mean, some people find true love. Some people never will. Some people, it's crystal clear when they're in love with some people. Some people, it's hard to understand. They don't, they don't have a good love language.
1: Well, sure. No, but like that's the verse. Yeah. I don't know. It just felt like, Kind of a bizarre series of, it's either stupid, obvious, kick you in the face, or it's totally hidden and you never know it. Yeah, it's
0: an interesting
1: methodology, he goes about this song.
0: Because yeah, the verses are just all about describing the different ways people will experience love. Some people get it, some people don't, some people don't know how it feels, yada, yada, yada. And then the chorus is just simply like a love letter to the concept of a once in a lifetime love, Mm -hmm. right? It's just him singing once in a lifetime love. It's great. <laughs> there you go, and then he's back into
1: examples of it. It's an interesting song stylistically. The chorus is obviously the the part that stuck with me the most from this song, and what made it hard when I was picking top threes, I was like that chorus feels hard to pass up and resist. And it may go disguised right before your eyes is a line that grew on me a lot too.
0: It's interesting because yeah, the chorus very memorable, right? Hard to pass mm-hmm. up. But I thought the verses were also catchy, uh, and I think they go together very well. I know you seemed really focused on the words and whether or not they made sense. But if you just, the the cadence that he's got and like the lead into that chorus, the the energy and emotion in his voice kind of gets stronger as he gets closer to that chorus. I think it's beautifully put together, whether you like the... The words or not.
1: Yeah, words aside though, I still just don't like I said, I think it just falls off a little too hard for what the chorus is. Really? Yeah. Excluding like the last couplet that ends in once in a lifetime love that leads him right into the chorus. The rest of the verse just doesn't do it for me.
0: Really? Yeah. What about the instrumental break after the first chorus?
1: It's fine. I don't know. I do I love a steel guitar. I love a mandolin. Yeah, I guess I don't know. To me, the first is feel like walking up the stairs. I don't like walking up the stairs. What's your point? <laughs> I feel like each
0: line is another step up up like in my head you know how I like to take a song and give it a weird imagery do you really, little ugly smurf fun? <laughs> but to me, this is like I'm just picture Alan Jackson with his guitar walking up a set of stairs, strumming his guitar, singing this. And with each line, he takes another step. And then he hits the chorus and he's like made it to the person. And then he
1: runs back down the stairs and does it again for the other two
0: verses. Uh, well, uh, well, and then there's, the, <laughs> then there's the instrumental. He slides down the banister. You know, maybe time passes or something like that. You know, time goes on. A staircase. And then he's back and he's built walking
1: up the staircase to again believe it or not i do like the staircase thing it feels fitting why does it feel fitting why does that make sense to me what have you done because i'm the king of this <laughs> man
0: i guess so it's it's just it's the case with each line each line feels like a, a start and a stop right like a step and because it's building up to this magnificent course it feels like you're going up so
1: stairs yeah
0: <laughs> but i prefer more of a revolving door with my love <laughs> sure because you know i like it when love comes around Whatever. A little pep in this <laughs> step again.
1: A little more boot scootin' boogie-esque. little pep. No, not lights. Not lights, pep. No, different pep. No, different pep. I also couldn't help that this one was more of that Brooks and Dunn shuffle time. Yeah. And he says right there in the chorus, when love comes around, I'll be ready. Love will find me a brand new man. I, he calls it out directly. Not probably intentionally, but it's fun to think about. This is a fiddle heavy song, but honestly, I thought the highlight of it was the piano. Okay. I just had a fun time with it.
0: And I do still feel like, correct me if you if you disagree, but I do still feel like the slump of the album so far, uh, we haven't gotten to the end yet, but so far to me, the slump of the album has still been The Sounds.
1: I think... It sounds like you didn't care for Once in a Lifetime Love as much as I did. No, I think Work in Progress, The Sounds, and Designated Drinker was a bit of a slump. Maybe like a bell curve, right? Where The Sounds was like the worst. Uh, yeah. And Designated Drinker brought us back up a little. I feel like this is half the same thing. Once in a lifetime love feels a bit below that'd be all right. And I feel like when love comes around is another like nadir at the bottom of a curve like another little baby hump
0: but it's not as far down as four five six right yeah so then we're in agreeance this song
1: just didn't do it for me as much as all the other ones no me either does i slipped and fell in love bring it back up or are we still in the hump we're still in that novelty song thing i liked that the concept of i slipped and fell in love is just describing why people fall it's unhinged and i like it (laughs) it's funny and it's ridiculous to think of all the ways that he thinks of people falling like a greased pig falling off off a pickup truck what yeah (laughs) what does that happen I love it why first of all why are you putting your greased pigs on a pickup truck and then traveling in a situation in which they could fall out
0: I mean to be fair most pigs are naturally greased
1: well but this is a specifically greased pig fair enough anyway I thought this was a fun song too I had a really fun time listening to this one the hard stop on the whoops is really fun yep it's whoops bang slip like the
0: instruments do like a little flunk in the in the pause
1: like a little fall yeah i never thought you could put whoops into a song and make it land in a way that's not just inherently goofy but i don't think it does i mean that's like a serious part of the song
0: it's a little goofy but the whole song's a little goofy right so it fits in
1: it's certainly not as goofy as grease pigs yeah here's what i want to know what's the worst of these ways to fall which way would you rather fall in the least physically it doesn't matter about love let's ignore the parallel here
0: Ah, uh, that's a question that's a good one
1: i've got some thoughts
0: i mean a steep hill underneath a foot of snow is pretty rough. yeah
1: it has <laughs> the potential to be awful depending how steep the hill is yeah because down you go i also think the bad step would be pretty awful yeah because that could be your leg just falling all the way through any of the ones where
0: you're falling backwards some of these you might be face planting it's true or falling like just kind of collapsing like a wood floor and new socks, I feel like you end up a lot of times in that scenario with like a spread eagle thing. Yeah. But yeah, the ones where like walking up some sort of incline
1: falling backwards, that's just disastrous. That's bad. But what I realized is, you know, the bald tire on an icy road could like actually kill you, depending <laughs> on this situation.
0: Some of these could.
1: Speaking of drive.
0: Verse 2 is very treacherous. That's true. Except for the pig. No, even the pig. I mean... If it hits you, I guess. If you're falling out of the pickup truck... I assume you're driving somewhere. Next car behind you is going to run that poor pig over. Well,
1: yeah. I thought this song was a ton of fun. I really enjoyed it. And it was sad that he didn't write this one either. This was the third track that wasn't his.
0: This is the third of three that he did not write, written by Harley Allen and John Wiggins. Which means
1: the three, just to sum up. It's whoops, I slipped and fell in love. It's a little bluer than that. And it's that be all right.
0: So to what you alluded to earlier, did you prefer the ones that he
1: didn't write or the ones he did? Yeah, I really do feel like I preferred the ones that he didn't like in most cases. Wait, you like the ones he didn't write better? It was... Shocking.
0: What? That that does shock me. I thought for certain your answer was going to be that you liked on the whole. I mean, don't get me wrong. Bring on the night. That'd be all right. They're good songs, but drive. That's a well. Where we'll, were
1: you? I know. We'll get into it <laughs> when we get into the
0: top threes. That's crazy.
1: We'll get into it when we get there. First
0: Love. Okay. Yeah. I want to get into First Love real fast. Did you like First Love?
1: First Love.
0: I think it's the perfect closing track to an album called Drive.
1: Honestly, <laughs> this was so good.
0: I mean, half The album's been about cars. Half the album's been about About love, love. and here we have. Why not end a song
1: about love and cars? It's true. true. It took me i'll admit it kind of an embarrassingly long time did it take you till you got to the chorus yeah but that's like the intent of the song so i don't feel bad about not getting it yeah because the point is that it's supposed to be no no i I,
0: the first time i heard it i didn't get it till the chorus i was just curious if you also
1: yeah no it definitely took a minute i do also think from my research that this is a true story his wife actually did track down the car and buy it back for him that's awesome yeah really cool I do. I just love this full circle moment. I mean, it's so cleverly written. It is. From the first track from Drive, Daddy Gene letting him drive as a kid to him restoring his first car in his older days. Uh-huh. Old Al.
0: Maybe the one that for verse three of Drive that maybe his uh, daughter will get to have a memory with.
1: Yeah. In the in the filing cabinet. I liked it a lot. And also he talks about Marietta. We learned about Marietta in our Otis Redding episode, North of Atlanta. I was like, I know that. Yeah. Also, he says you can't drive a check, but also you can use enough checks to buy a car. So but You can't drive those checks. No. And you can't drive this car if you sell it. That's true. Sounds like a really cool car. It does. I like First Love a lot. I think it's a fun song. Great, great album closer.
0: Now, what line? Was it built in 1955, the one that, that gave it away? Or when did you finally get it?
1: <laughs> I started, I was confused at can't drive a check, honestly. Yeah. That was already, I was like, well, no, you can't. What? And then, yeah, but then we got to Built in 1955. And then Never Should Have Sold Her, I, I knew by then. I hope most people know.
0: Yeah, that's the I was curious if Built in 1955 got you or I Never Should Have Sold Her was the one that... <laughs> I'm brave enough to admit it was I Never Should Have Sold Her that made me go,
1: huh? Let <laughs> you go. But at least you got there. That's, you know, more than I could say about... I mean, on 2112, the album, you didn't get that song at all.
0: You gotta love that build in the chorus. Yeah. Built... In 1955, you know, the way it, it, it ramps up as he says that line, the little pause, it's very hooky. Yeah, I like the song a lot. But in that case, uh, it's time to drive on into Final Spin.
1: Yeah. One thing I absolutely thought this week, man, I don't know if we could have gone any more full tilt opposite from ACDC and their bad metaphors. <laughs> this man is so literal. He's so blunt. He sings songs like you would talk. Yeah. It's a really easy kind of songwriting and storytelling to connect to.
0: Honestly, I think this man and this album, I think it ties into some of my other picks. Yes. I mean, you've already talked about the comedy, Mm -hmm. the easy listening from the Spin It Menace.
1: Yeah, Daggy Barry Manilow.
0: I feel like it ties in a lot of my other picks.
1: It does. This was a really good pick from you.
0: Miley Cyrus, she started country.
1: (laughs) She did. She did. I have my top three to give Okay, in album order. Boy, I struggle with the top three. But I did not struggle with putting Drive on there first. Easy peasy pick. I gave a Jamesable mention to a little bluer than that. Okay, okay. A song that he didn't write. But I like that step further kind of style to it. Yeah. I put where were you when the world stopped turning on here i don't think that would necessarily be my pick but it dominates this album i mean like we talked about maybe not musically but it dominates the story of this album right i had the same thought right it 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 has to be in your top three Because it's
0: such a dominant force. Yeah. But I agreed, there's no way this would ever be my playlist pick. No. No matter how much I love the song, this does not belong in the playlist. No,
1: this song, I mean, all the awards that he won for the album, all the performances he gave, everything about 2002 Alan Jackson is like, where were you when the world stopped turning? And so it kind of has to be in my top three. Okay. And I didn't like that it took space away from other songs, but it just has to not a jamesable mention that'd be all right another one he didn't i didn't i i would have i was so close I mean, it's again it's a good song it's a great song it was funny and it was catchy i didn't think that it was worthy of a top three because it was just too much of a sore thumb from the rest of the record it didn't fit the tone of what this album is with its accordion i'm giving another top three to once in a lifetime love That's my third official top three. And I'm also going to give one to First Love because I really love the way that it tied the album together. Okay. So yeah, most of your top three still came from Jackson songs, but you're saying you preferred the ones
0: that he didn't write.
1: And also, Whoops I Slipped and Fell in Love almost got a Jamesable mention. It was just so funny and so good. So that's what I'm saying is like, I considered strongly all three songs that he didn't write for my top three. And the only reason that they couldn't have all made it is because of When the World Stopped Turning and, you know, First Love was such a good closer. Okay. Okay. Those would have been where I made cuts, probably. Fair enough. So that's my top three. Nice. So I liked Drive. I like Drive. I did not like it as well as here in the real world. Really? No, I I didn't. I mean, here in the real world, a lot of people say it's his best one. They do. So here in the real world, I liked better. It scored an 84.3 and was ranked at number 331. As for my scores for Drive, I'm giving it an 85 for music. Okay. There are some verses that fall off a little bit, but I was looking back at this album after having listened to it once, and I remembered a lot of these songs, and the choruses especially. Like you could remember them. Yeah, 85 for music. Very sing-alongable, fun, syncopated, like you said, was cool
0: didn't remember them enough to give them somewhere in the 90s but that's okay
1: good grief no lyrically give it an 86
0: also probably a little low considering how much of this he wrote himself i mean well
1: that's true and how
0: good he did at like setting things up he set up some fun stuff. I was joking when I made the thing about a 90 for the music. I'm actually a little in disagreeance with your lyric score. I think it's a little on the low side. 86?
1: Well, that's fair. I, I don't know. I just Where thought... were you
0: in the world? Stopped turning? Sure. I mean, okay. we talked forever about how good that song was lyrically. It's true.
1: And it was. But just like the sounds and designated drinker felt confused and underdone and Mm. i don't know work in progress was like funny but it wasn't like any revelation 86 but there was never i don't think there's a single spot in all this that we talked about a bad lyric
0: that we're like this is buffoonish this is bad um There wasn't a
1: single spot for that. Not bad enough to bring up, I guess. But that's why it's like an 86. That's like solid. As for instruments of production, 84. I like the boot scootin' boogie, line dance kind of style. It's generally pretty consistent. It is a little bit of that samey thing where you don't get a lot of different sounds on this album. And like the time that you do, it's an accordion. (laughs) So read into that as you will. And the overall vibe was an 84. I enjoyed this album. I think that little stretch of love, 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 love at the end It's kind of hard. I do. Not first love necessarily. I don't know. I just, I feel like I would have liked those songs spread out a little more. Yeah. It's overall score is an 86 and it's landing at number 252, 80 slots above here in the real world. (laughs) Heck yeah. Yeah, so I think I need more listens to this one. I think I might have been a little generous, a little recency bias or whatever. Really? Maybe, Mm. maybe. I need more. I
0: think it's the opposite. No, I think it's the opposite, actually. I think your instrumental should be where your lyrics were and your lyrics should be higher in terms of your scores. That's what I would change. Mm. I think if you truly think that here in the real world is better, maybe that score needs addressed. You need to re-listen to that and see if you still agree with your score you gave that one. No, I do. Because I was surprised at how low you had in the real world
1: well here's how they compare i thought drive had better music by three points they have the same lyric score drive has five points better of instruments and production and they have the same vibe so honestly they're still very close together and similar but
0: yeah it's just it's right down there in the pack yeah the mid 80s is a i mean it's a mob of albums it is (laughs) there's so much in there you drop Point two points and you plummet like a hundred places
1: it's a battle <laughs> it's... you gotta you gotta win
0: and so even with the bonus point he's di- he's there mm-hmm.
1: so as for the picks mm. that you've brought that means drive is above menace Barry manilow and below Michael Buble, even farther below Journey. But I think that makes it the third highest album that you've brought. Yeah, and I really did like it.
0: And two of those three have been brought in the year of healing. So
1: that's true. I'm getting better. Yeah, I think so. As far as any albums we've done go, this is below Aerosmith, Permanent Vacation, and above Metallica. Two very hard, strange Weird. albums to compare to this. Weird, <laughs> Really just unhinged. But that's me. That's my, my thought there. I feel like you should have gone first. Probably should have. Because what do you, you don't bring things that aren't a nine for you. It's like not even a surprise. Yeah. Yeah. Surprise.
0: This one's a nine. What? what? Whoa. Several of his albums would have been nines for me. Nine handsome penguin scientists out of 10.
1: Nine handsome penguin scientists. I'm surprised you didn't go with like little ugly smurf units with a monkey.
0: Absolutely not. Way too big a mouthful.
1: It is a big mouthful. And it also like largely memorializes your total and utter defeat during factor spin
0: yeah although we added to it throughout the whole episode really we start calling him little owl from the beginning it's true
1: <laughs> and this one is all about handsome penguin scientists so it really still calls back to the bodybuilding thing yeah i'm so interested to see where in your nines this goes
0: this is going and it's so weird that this keeps happening like it's so weird that they keep getting clumped together like this <laughs> i struggled I need to listen to Brand New Man again. Mm-hmm. I can't decide if it's above or below Brand New Man. Because I mean, literally when we sat down to record this, I got Brand New Man stuck in my head and we were about to record Alan Jackson.
1: I just listened to it today. Yeah.
0: Like it's either right above or right below Brand New Man. It's really Brand New Man and drive slash where were you duking it out? going? <laughs> Who's going <laughs> to put it on top? But it's, it's right there in the country zone of my nines. But
1: consider this. If I had a horse. If I had a horse. Yeah, see, I knew that'd do it. I'd ride off
0: it. You know what? It goes right below <laughs> Brand New Man. You've done it. <laughs> oh, yeah, I knew it. I knew it.
1: All it takes.
0: But it's right in the country zone of my nines.
1: It sure is.
0: With Willie Nelson, Brooks and Dunn, Johnny Cash, Amy Lou Harris... They're just all together. <laughs> they
1: sure are. Well, I want to do my playlist pick, and, and I've I've got a definitive one that I've known the whole way. That's only fair. It's Drive. It's Drive. Okay. Of course, it's Drive.
0: Honestly, really glad you picked it, because if you didn't, I was going to have to pick it, because I was like, how can I not pick Drive? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's the most popular song on the album for a reason. I know. In terms of Spotify plays. Great choice. For me, my top three. Oh, yeah. You have one, too. Yeah. Yeah. And I did pull the classic me thing of taking more than uh, Yeah, <laughs> than great. Three. I'll mark it down. Go ahead. Taking drive. Of course. A little bit bluer than that, even though the word bluer is a stupid looking word. Bluer is a stupid looking word. Wasn't
1: that your Jamesable mention? Yeah.
0: Bring on the night. That that first three was just a real powerhouse.
1: It was. Bring on the night was a hard cut for me.
0: Then I am taking a where were you? Because you have to.
1: Mm-hmm. That would be all right. I am taking it. Okay. You don't have the same reservations that I did. No. And you're the one that gets penalized for it.
0: Taking once in a lifetime love. Okay. And my Connerville mention to first love because I love the tie back with drive to love in a car.
1: It is good. It's so good. So you're taking seven out of four. So you lose three picks. Yeah. I hope you live to regret taking that many. Probably won't. Probably won't. I hope you won't regret it, but I do hope you probably still live to regret. Uh, my playlist pick. Boy, it's hard. I don't remember that one. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all of these songs have have moments. I'm torn between A Little Bit Bluer Than That, Bring On The Night, and That'd Be All Right. So two songs he didn't write and one he didn't. Should I just take the one he did or should I take one he didn't since you took one he did?
1: Honestly, if I were picking from those ones, well, no... I was going to say if I were picking from those ones, I'd probably pick that'd be all right, even though it wasn't my top pick.
0: No, but I think I can, that'd probably be the easiest one for me to cut of those three. Yeah,
1: I know. And Drive is already a pretty upbeat song. Maybe you'd go for something slower. Like? I mean, either of the other remaining ones.
0: Yeah, I think I'll take Bring on
1: the Night. Bring on the Playlist. Yep. But that brings us to the end. Not quite, but kind of. Another takeover. What? Well, just after the end, once we finish wrapping up, we're absolutely going to duck out, make ridiculous pineapple foods, and then come back and talk about them.
0: Absolutely. So definitely stick around.
1: Yeah, we haven't forgotten.
0: If you normally turn off the podcast at this point because you don't want to hear us plug ourselves, well, guess what? Be prepared to hear some plugging because you're going to want to stick around. Or scrub
1: ahead. (laughs) The outro banter is usually very good.
0: Yeah, I love our outro banter. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. the whole podcast i love and if you love it you can find it well wherever you're listening to it right now yep and millions of other places a couple hundred literally millions there's at least million a million of them guaranteed certified million but the best place is at www.spinitpod.com put a lot of blood sweat and tears and yes i do mean blood into that website it's true you can find all of our episodes the ranking spreadsheet you can see all the of james's albums that he's ever ranked 700 by this point and you can see all the ones that i've ranked that we have a store. Buy some cool merch. It is t- uh, the holiday season at this point. True.
1: Also, Instagram, at Spin it Pot official. I
0: was getting there. Wherever you're listening <laughs> to us, you know, be sure to like, five star, rate, all that jazz. It does help. It's annoying that it helps, but it does. Follow us on socials because that also helps. We love interacting with people on socials. Some of my favorite things to do or when we post a new episode is to go look at the silly just images that we put to go along with like what we talked about. Like you'll be able to find the <laughs> AI... Uh, Jack's son, yeah. Jack's <laughs> Jackson. Alan Jackson. <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: at SpinItPod on X. Yeah, and at spin a pod official on Instagram. Bingo. I think that covers everything I was supposed to mention.
1: Heck yeah! Tell a friend who. Oh no! I got. Oh no! I got. That. Oh, you already got that. I don't ever have that I just wing it
0: No I wrote one down Because I specifically Wanted to make sure I had something for this And I'm bad at winging it Tell
1: your little ugly Smurf friends
0: Uh huh Here we go Really <laughs> What is it Tell a friend Who's a little ugly Flirty Smurf And or one who has A pet monkey Nice
1: I bet you know Someone like that Probably Yeah
0: And you don't have to Tell them which one they are No They'll figure it out Done. know <laughs> And until
1: then Stay tuned for mayonnaise Stay tuned for mayonnaise And Team Keep spinning Keep spinning Keep driving All right, we are back with our pineapple concoctions. I have made a pineapple and mayonnaise sandwich. Ingredients, bread, mayonnaise, pineapple.
0: And I have made, because I did not have bread, the lied about by the mixtaper, eggs, pineapple, and cheese. I recorded the entire process. James recorded his process. We're going to make a little how to recreate these if you want to try them for yourself.
1: Try them for yourself. Very thorough steps. Mm -hmm.
0: I put mine. (laughs) I knew you'd do this. I knew you'd do this. So as I mentioned in the episode, I bought a fresh pineapple to get my pineapple. And so I took the hollowed out pineapple and put my eggs in the pineapple as a uh, means of which to eat them.
1: I knew you'd do this. So you've got a pineapple full of eggs. (laughs) Sure do. Eggs, cheese, and pineapple yeah. this is disgusting you should have just had bread man that'll, <laughs> that'll teach you to not have bread
0: i'm honestly excited to taste this
1: yeah here we go here we go pineapple and mayonnaise sandwich delicacy of noon in georgia and alan jackson's favorite food it mostly just tastes like bread
0: mine tastes like eggs with pineapple and cheese It's exactly what you'd expect
1: oh no there's the mayonnaise i kind of hate it
0: yeah i know i yours is awful i'm so glad i got this one yeah i mean i have a fun container to eat it out of i was while you were making yours thinking of what to call this i like i wanted to call it amarillo by morning or something like that because of how yellow it is but that doesn't fit this album i decided just to go with if the color yellow was a food because that's all it really is all the pictures i tried to take of it were just yellow where does the pineapple end and the egg begin <laughs> who
1: can say <laughs> what about the piña colomelette
0: all that you see that's why you get paid the big bucks
1: i wish i was getting paid the big bucks after eating this pineapple and mayonnaise sandwich
0: I'll be honest, two things about mine that I would critique. I went really heavy on the pineapple. Yeah. I mean, I put a lot of pineapple. Basically, I hollowed this thing out. All that pineapple went into these eggs. It was a lot of pineapple. And I probably wouldn't eat it out of a pineapple again because what's happening is the acidic cold pineapple juice that's still left in the pineapple is tainting. Like the stuff on top was really good. I was like, I could eat this all the time. But as I get deeper, the raw pineapple is tainting the eggs in a way I don't like.
1: You filled a whole pineapple with eggs. I mean, yeah. How, did the, how far up did they fill it? You did four eggs, right? How much pineapple is that? This entire. To the brim. Four eggs to the brim of a pineapple.
0: Oh, no. I, uh, it wasn't quite to the brim. I'll send you a photo. It was the, like, right before the brim. <laughs>
1: this is so weird. What has this podcast become?
0: And again, all the pineapple that
1: was hollowed
0: out went back into the pineapple in a minced and cooked form. <laughs> it was only four eggs and
1: an entire hollowed
0: out pineapple, plus a bunch of Mexican melting cheese.
1: So the mixtape lied about yours, but mine is real. Mine's a real food that people eat. And it sounds awful. No, but I can kind of understand why people like it. There's The mayonnaise has like a... It, it messes with the sweetness. I'm no food critic, but I can see why people eat this. Am I going to eat it again? No. Is it the worst thing I've ever had? No. What's your score out of 10? The food. I'd give this food, the way I cooked it, like a five. Okay.
0: Way too heavy on the pineapple. Serving method way off. The egg to pineapple ratio was off. But the first couple
1: bites I had where it was untainted, I'd give that like a seven. Seven. Maybe almost an eight. I think I maybe went a little light on the mayonnaise. I bet you did. You coward. Well, I was. And I would maybe toast the bread a little bit.
0: Oh, that would probably help too. Yeah. More of a pineapple and mayonnaise toasty.
1: Sure. As it stands right now. Honestly, I'd give this a three, maybe a four if I'm starving. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Told you I had the better food. I'm telling you, you're going to have to try. I'll try yours when I get bread, but you should also try mine with some of your pineapple if you have eggs. You should. If you went light with the pineapple, treated it more as like an actual, like. An accent. Like when you go to Waffle House and you can get it like smothered, covered, chunked, capped, all that jazz. If you treated it more like how Waffle House treats all that stuff, with just more of a topping than half the meal <laughs> yeah and then all the cheese it was really i quite enjoyed those first couple bites that's not the outcome i expected if you wanted a fresh zesty fun way to spice up your breakfast maybe you're on vacation somewhere tropical put a little pineapple in your eggs maybe a little bacon would go well with those two little bacon cheese and pineapple or maybe like some pineapple and ham with your eggs to get a little protein in there ham would go well with this
1: yeah I've, i looked online after i heard the mixtape give you that spin and i found people do like Hawaiian an omelette with that yeah yep. he, he might know a lot about living and a little about love but he does not know much about good food I'll stick the PB and J ridiculous